What are you talking about? You were here to play Survivor and win a million dollars? That is not like building a resume to someone who deserves a million dollars. Not even your SIA fan favorite. Like you get nothing for that. Bye. Here's your ticket home. Goodbye, dud. Come on in. It is the Survivor at Home podcast. I am Alex. This is Luke. Hello. Up, Luke. Hey. And we have a special guest for you today. Mr. John Wani. John, how are you? Great. I'm great. I'm great. <laughs> is overwhelmed by this. Look, today we have the incredible privilege of breaking down episode three of Survivor season 44 for you. And we are going to do this uh, on the Survivor at Home podcast. Of course, the very best podcast in Canada talking about Survivor and all things that we know and love about the players, about the game, about our experience playing the wonderful Survivor at Home online edition. But today, let's start things off by getting to know our guest, shall we, Luke? Yeah, so John A., who are you? And what are you doing here? But also, well, let's let's start with that. Like, let's start with those two things. Who are you and what are you doing here? So I have no idea who I am sometimes, um, but I am here. I played in Survivor at Home, which is a fun way to experience Survivor. It was, um, for those who have played, like you guys, an online um kind of experience of the game of Survivor. And I've watched the show for a long time and just had a lot of fun during the pandemic playing with people and meeting new people. And I just kind of got hooked to this fun community with other people who also enjoy Survivor. So I'm here because I enjoy that. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, we've uh, we've played together. All three of us have played together in Survivor at home. Uh, and one thing that we love about the community and this podcast is that the people that we have around us are also huge survivor fans and we know that john you are a big fan of survivor uh one th one thing that alex and i were talking about last week after we finished or not last week two weeks ago after we finished the podcast on episode one was that we realized we have very different perspectives on the game of Survivor. And there's so many different ways to look at the game. We see it just through the contestants who play. They all have their own way of looking at the game, understanding how to play. And then that brings out the beauty of the game itself. And so we, we're looking at the game through two different sets of lenses. And the way that we approached the podcast was the same way. And we're curious, John, how is it that you see survivor and what are the things about the game that jump out to you that really uh float your boat and get you going what is it that you love about the game and that you you think uh that you notice the most yeah i think the thing for me that is the most interesting or the thing that gets me most excited with every season and just the whole concept it's when um a particular player makes a move whether it's a big move or a small subtle move that's a little spark that causes a massive fire, I think that is what is exciting. It's some sort of action that moves the story forward. It advances their play or it slows down someone else's play or takes someone else out to propel them forward. I think that is super interesting. And same thing with the survivor experience like when you're playing in survivor at home or whatever you you are going through that yourself and you're trying to figure out 
how am I going to move myself forward? Or how am I going to slow this person down? How am I going to put a target on someone? I think all of that is so interesting, the human dynamics and all of it. Oh, well, it's just thinking about how much of that is like premeditated and how much is you just you you make it up in the moment from one vote to the next and decide now's the time to make my move. And as an audience member, we get to see all of that. We get to see, whoa, they're really deciding on this now. And you just love seeing that. Like, wow, they're really they're setting up and they're going to pounce. Totally. And I think it's an art of being able to balance both because there are people who go in with a set plan but then you realize you can't control all the factors. So you have to respond and change your plan on the go. go. But then people who go in with no plan and they're just these like airy fairy, yeah, I'm just going to go with the, like they're, they don't appear strategic and nobody respects them. And so mm-hmm. it's, it's just so cool when you find someone who's just really good at reading a room and they can pay attention to when they have to make a move, when they have to keep their mouth shut and when they have to go for the throat. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. So you love the risk taking. We saw that a lot in this episode and the last yeah. couple actually seems like this cast is ready to play and to just pull out whatever they've got to uh, to push themselves, like you said, John, further into the game. So uh, yeah, it's pretty yeah, sweet. Some of them are, some of them are, and some of them are duds. Yep. Well, let's find out. Let's uh, let's dive into this episode. Why don't like the, the episode is called Sneaky Little Snake. And uh, I, I remember when I was saw the title at the beginning, I thought, who is who would that be? Like, who would I think <laughs> the sneaky snake in the game would be? And I, th- I think it actually comes up a couple of times in the in the episode. Uh, we I think Matthew ends up. No, is it Matthew? No, Danny calls Matt like a yeah. sneaky little snake. But like when I was thinking about it, I was like, that's got to be Carson, right? I was if I had to choose one ahead of time, I would have thought, yeah, from each tribe, you're like, okay, you've got Carson on on Tika. It could be Danny on Soka and it could be probably Matthew on on Ratu. If any of them are playing a snake game. But I love that it it the quote actually comes from Danny calling out Matt, which we'll get into (laughs) of why and what the situation is. But it's uh, totally throwing the, the attention onto the snake that actually isn't being sneaky at all or it has no reason to be sneaky <laughs> i guess oh boy yeah and the episode so the episode starts off we see tika come back from uh tribal they just came back from voting helen off and there's a bit of a stir right because those uh there was a couple of different groups carson kind of was playing the middleman and sarah didn't have a vote so there was a lot going on i think Carson was really excited about playing a blind side. It's kind of scared too, he said. But we now come back to camp and you got to figure it out, right? Like you have to make amends. You have to like come back together and 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 rebuild what you had in the past. And as you said, John, you're talking about certain players that you really love who maybe don't come across as threats, but seem to play for whatever reason without a plan, but they do well. We see Carolyn and she's got this little talking head. She talks about how she's proud, like she's proud of herself for making it to another vote. It worked out. She trusted Carson and she did it all with two different shoes on. <laughs> but a gem. Yeah, I think that's a good example of the timing, right? Like Carson could be a really phenomenal pr- player. And I was really excited to see his character evolve. But the way that he handled that playing both sides for such an early vote, I was like, come on. This guy's 
like shooting himself in the foot. But the way that Sarah described Carson, mm. I thought was like, oh, this girl's smart. How she 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 calls him out on being really likable. Everyone really likes him. He's the person the, out of the three that she would like to work with the most. Yeah. And even that scares her. Like she's a smart player. And I have a feeling like when you're on the bottom early in the game like this, I think you have a really good chance at surviving if you're scrappy and smart. So I think Sarah's going to be around for a while and Carson's going to, he's, he's calling too much attention to himself way too early. Mm -hmm. He's a little bit aware of that, but Sarah, yeah, it seems to, seems to be that she sees right through it. Right. Yeah. That's so I'm excited for her to go for that. his throat. <laughs> That's so good because that that calling out, he is the most, I love the way that she framed that. Like you just said, he's the most dangerous person because those two like him, but also of the three, I like him the most. Right. But right. he could take me out next. Like what an incredible, that's where I go, like, yes, Carson's doing a great thing. I think as far as too early in the game to make the vote or to make a move like that, John, it's a really interesting discussion because there's only five people. So how do you go too early in the game to make something like that? When you you land in the middle, you have to play both sides to make sure that you get forward. And I don't know if we're sitting here and saying, did Carson draw too much attention to himself? Or is he in a good power position now actually to get Sarah out of this game? If he, want, mm. if he recognizes that as well. I don't know. But maybe yeah, it's the most dangerous person we see in episode three and then we get to episode 12. And guess what? He's still the most dangerous person and he's going to walk away with a victory. You never know. But it's interesting because Sarah has that advantage, right? She So she lost her vote. Yeah. But now she has the inheritance advantage. However, I was thinking about it. It really doesn't have a lot of power unless it's played perfectly. Yeah. If she like makes he, it to the merge, though, like I feel like that first tribal council at the merge I'm hoping we get to see a bunch of fake idols being played and real idols. And I wonder if she would get to inherit the fake ones too. Yeah, right. Like that would... <laughs> With all the power. So, yeah. <laughs> so let's finish off that tribe. I mean, we see all of the tribes here, but let's talk a little bit about Carolyn and Jam Jam, the, the pair, the duo that nobody saw. How do you guys feel about that duo working together? To quote Technotronic, circa early 1990s, pump up the jam. Pump it up a little more. Yo, pump it. Pump up the jam. I just love, I love their, their relationship and how nuts they are. Like, they're just, they're fun. They're good TV. And um, he's just hilarious. Like, and so is she. She's just so wild. I did not like her at all in the first episode. And then the last episode, my opinion of her completely flipped around because she's in it to play and yeah. she's aware of herself. Like, I think self-awareness um, goes a long way in this game. And she's aware of how people perceive her and, she, and she's working it. You know, I think they're a fun, dangerous duo. I think what changed everything for me around her, I mean, I, I liked her as an entertaining person, but then when she didn't play her idol, you go, yeah. oh, she she picked Good up one. on something. She knew something. And now you see her brain's working more than maybe her mouth lets on. Like there's something cooking in there. 
And then mm-hmm. Jam Jam is exactly, you know, Jam Jam is putting on this. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be the entertainment of the tribe. And, and as I get further, I'm going to run the show. Like he's, he's really, really going to be a confident player. And I think the two of them together are a really perfect match like that. All right, let's move on from Tika here. Let's look at <laughs> Ratu. So we jump into Kane singing the national anthem. Everybody gives him a huge round of applause. It seems like uh, everybody's pretty happy on the Ratu tribe. And then we get a little bit of a taste of a couple of characters here, right, Alex? Mm-hmm. I love, I love, it's just such small little intros, it, it, introspective looks into who these people are. Um, probably actually, uh, I don't know, does it take up too much of the time? But again, it's like telling their story without telling their story. When Kane says, I run D&D groups, you, I know who Kane is now. Like, that's it. <laughs> yeah. He's a, he's a dungeon master, right? That's it. Yeah. Yeah, I've recently started sacred land. (laughs) I've recently started uh, being a dungeon master for my son's D&D group at his school. So I know I know the incredible intelligence that's necessary for such a role. And and, you know, I'm not going to take Kane lightly now, but there's that element. And then Brandon goes into, hey, I'm going to go fishing. I'm like, oh, you fish. He's like, yeah, you know, maybe a little. Oh, also. I do jet skiing and I'm an astronaut and I do fire dancing and I, you know, start an orphanage. He, what has it read done? The, the real list here, or you want to just keep spreading? It's lies probably and more, yeah. more impressive than even what I just said, actually. So go for it. Well, I've got just, he snowboards. He's a pianist, pianist. He's a pilot, a cook. Uh, he does magic and he's got a scuba license. That's what I saw. Okay, basically yeah, the same things I just said. Yeah, the, the black same. Chuck exactly. Norris, the black Chuck Norris of Survivor. Yeah, he can just he can do it all. Most how interesting you, man in the world. So, how did you feel about those two? I guess uh, windows into those two players. How about you, John? What did you think? What did you think about them? Well, I think it's fun because in the real world, like, would these two particular people? enjoy spending time with each other or have an opportunity to or would they just kind of keep to their own corners of the earth and never talk about each other never talk to each other or get to know each other but instead judge each other and be afraid of each other like i I think that's what's so fascinating about the show is that it gives um it, it gives a space for humans to interact with people and kind of learn from each other and experience other weird humans like it's just brilliant and then it gives you more grace for your own weirdness right i yeah, just i think point. that's really cool and you know that yeah, brandon is going to like look into D after this and that's going to be the next thing that for he sure. does He's like, i'm also a stage five mage like this is <laughs> yeah and then kane's going to try all the things that brandon does and fail at them like <laughs> <laughs> except except magic uh, with a sword yeah. in hand <laughs> yeah it's I, all right I, 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 it, yeah that's a great point, John. I mean, mm-hmm. I didn't think about that as a contrast between the characters of like their personalities, but they did put them back to back and you could see that there's, it's almost like there's something more about these guys that we didn't see on the surface. And like with Kane, like, I know Alex, you were talking about being a dungeon master, like that, that role, you have to read people and you are creating this story for other people. Mm-hmm. And for Brandon, 
just his point about not wanting to be boxed in that everybody sees him as this NFL player and that's all mm-hmm. they see him as. Uh, I just think that opens up a new way of understanding their gameplay too, right? Yeah. And I feel like we're watching it from our own lens here in Canada, but in the U S I feel like it probably lands even more different. Like my understanding and perception of how things land in the U S it appears to be like the walls are even higher, you know? And I feel, so I recently moved from living in an urban area to like Muskoka in like North of Toronto in cottage country of Ontario. It's like the Canadian Hamptons and it's a very different cultural experience. Right. And I, I feel like the, the cultural diversity and just the, the way that, um, yeah, just the openness to cultural diversity and people who live differently and are into different things and hunting things and eating things. It's, they're very different in the two locations and the way that people interact with each other and connect looks different. And so I just think this is so beautiful because like for the U S audience who maybe they're more comfortable with high walls, maybe this is like, Hmm. like a sledgehammer at some of those walls to be like, Hmm, be a little bit curious about those dungeon masters Yes, (laughs) or, you know, and or, look, your NFL superstar also likes knitting. magic tricks. Yeah, yeah that's like, oh, yeah. really cool. Right. Yeah. Magic even tricks. Kane had a good Kane had a good line. I thought was he was talking about how when he was swinging the sword around, he was talking about how good defeats evil. And then he said he wants to be a hero. He yeah, wants to be yeah, somebody yeah. that people look at as a hero. And I thought that was cool. Like there's a bunch of kids out there who. Mm-hmm. Maybe that they've aligned, and it, this is a survivor to a T, right? Like you find yourself in these people, you see yourself in these characters because they are not just characters, they're real people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought they were going to, re- I, I mean, there's also, there was a really neat dichotomy just even looking at how they set those two up. So you've got Kane, I want to be the hero, and he's stabbing the air, and then Brandon is like, <laughs> I'm just going to go and do what I do, and then goes and catches fish and actually feeds the tribe. So you've got yeah. this, I want to be the hero, <laughs> but but I just sit around all day and Brandon goes and actually delivers for the tribe. So that's an interesting take on that too, is how do those show up in the rest of the game? I don't know. Oh, that's good. Yeah, and a little later, we stick with the Ratu. We come back to the Ratu tribe a little later and we see uh, Lauren also mentions that she wants to be I guess a hero in a way to her kids and her students by uh I don't know eating a worm and yeah, Jamie Lynn yeah, like the, worm takes, the worm yeah I I had some feelings about this with Jamie Lynn first of all as a person but then would you <laughs> if you were on that tribe and you saw Jamie Lynn pick a worm up out of the dirt and just <laughs> swallow it would you be one of those people who also ate a worm no 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 it's just no it's it turns into it turns into worms it turns like literally the thing that is in your stomach that is a parasite is called a worm and and these things survive through like apocalypses like this is what they're here to do they 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 decompose things so i it's a quick no for me but is it because of it uh, because it's alive when you eat it or is it because okay 
Yeah, I think, well, yes, because I'm like, and they just swallowed it. They didn't even bite it. They didn't even kill the thing at all. They just, it's just, it's still going around in their, in their, she said something about stomach acid killing it. I don't believe it. I think, I think it'll still survive. Um, I did look it up though. I looked up about worms. Are they okay? (laughs) Because I needed to know (laughs) for those that are going to go on survivor. If somebody presents this to you, it is best to not eat a live worm um that's because all the parasites that it carries with it you can eat it and it has been done it's been done for centuries throughout humanity worms being a major source of protein and nutrients for people as they live and tend to the land but it is suggested that you cook them so you can boil them get rid of some of the slime and the parasites and you can actually i think survivor get a stick a really thin stick, poke it through. You can fry these things. That's the best way to cook it. Just put it on the fr- on the flame or on the fire pit and fry up that that worm and it is still as good for you. So there's your I hot dog. Yeah, I would totally I would totally eat like garlic fried worms. Mm-hmm. But raw like what was she doing? She's just it was just a sad theme. It was like it was just she showing me back off? to being in a university dorm where like yeah. she but she's like not drunk. But that was yeah. she was like a drunk girl. Drunk like, on the hey land. Guys, I gotta drink yeah. a worm. I think she really is <laughs> just having a good time. She really yeah. does love nature. And so she's yeah. like, I'm here. Like you can tell the energy that she has there. There is something about the energy of the space and oh. the freedom and all of that. Sure, maybe you're on that. And then there's probably some showmanship there. Just like Danny, yeah. like, you know, goes up a little level with his ninja moves and stuff. I think there might be a little bit of conscious I'm on camera. What do I do? Oh, I'm nervous. Right. I'm going to do this thing. I feel thing. conflicted. I'm going to do this thing. Like, she is, she's, she's like having her full survivor experience. She sees an opportunity. She's like, I'm going for it. But I find her irritating and I just don't really enjoy her as a person. And so I like, if we're talking about separate corners of the earth, like she's one of those people that I hope stays in her corner of the earth. And I don't really want to have to eat lunch with her. And if I was stuck it, on a tribe with her, I would lose my mind, but would have to keep her around because she annoys everyone. Or I, I'd hope she annoys everyone because she annoys me. <laughs> they say that the people who annoy us the most remind us of ourselves. But anyways, I was looking up the <laughs> stats on the, the nutritional stats of earthworms. There we go. Okay. And Matthew was correct. Earthworms are 60 to 70% protein. There's a bunch of like carbohydrates and fat and minerals and stuff like that. But I thought that was a pretty interesting stat that he could just pull out of thin air. He's, He's the, the plant, plant daddy. Da- plant daddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's an interesting little relationship. I think Jamie Lynn, yeah, she's super excited. But at least she's not climbing rocks, right? And falling off of them. <laughs> mm. But then the two, so match made in heaven. Can we go, can we go follow them before we jump into Soka? Or what do you want to do? Maybe they climb some rocks. Maybe after the show, they go hunting for earthworms at Daytona Beach. They're going to go to Daytona, right? And climb. Great. Excellent. Then Fun little inside them. joke. Love it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you got it, buddy. If so, you want to know the, the basis of that joke, listen to episode one. Go ahead, Alex. Well, I just want to follow these two because there's it's such it's so fantastic how that develops. Then you see the the weirdness of both of them. They obviously love being in nature. We've already got Matthew's story around that, how he grew up in that. She's 
we get the shot of her necklace that says plant lady. And we're like, well, I guess <laughs> she likes plants as well. Like herbology. Here we go. She's teaching. So the two of them walk in the woods and then they're like, I, it's so good. They get to the well and Matthew just looks down and is like, why don't you dig for worms there? I know. I know. Right there. Right uh, so down. Sneaky. There. <laughs> little sneaky little snake. And then she's like, oh, is, guess what I found? Look at he this. He played it off really well, hey? So good. He did. So good. So then she I thinks find she, found, she finds the idol. And then he's like, little backstory. Actually, I planted that thing. Like it's so as he's so describing that though, I just I so I have confessed I do not really enjoy Jamie at all. Mm-hmm. But then I feel bad for her because this was like yeah. such a targeted move where he's like her. She's the yeah. one that I'm gonna dupe with this. Like I just feel like why her? Like what is she a threat? Like is is she I don't know. I just feel like this could have been done way more interestingly if he picked someone who was like a real threat who would like you know like a challenge beast like drop it in brandon's lap you know Mm -hmm. or like kane i think it would be so hilarious if kane found it well i think this is what's interesting about jamie is because of the uh the the loose lips nature that she kind of seems to have mm -hmm. of like i'm just going to talk and then talk about everything that she now has this and she's going to you know dig her own grave with it Whereas the other guys, maybe you'd have to be, it's wits on wits and you do have to work that out with them. If you get Kane in there, well, then how do I, how do you manipulate Kane when he's actually thinking about the game? But if Jamie gets this, then you get to manipulate how Jamie uses this. Essentially. Yes. That's what I think it is. It's power, right? Like, yeah, I don't, I'm not mm. totally sure if it matters who finds it as long as you know, and you, and they know, you know, mm. there's, there's right. power there. Yeah. So, okay, bring come back, though, because another time that this happened where somebody made a fake idol, planted it so that somebody else could find it was going back. As far as I remember, Gen X versus millennials, David plants one in a coconut with like final. I think there's seven people left and and wants Jay to find it. And Jay finds it. And so he sees that he like Dave sees that he sees it. He picks it up and then plays it at final tribal. And Dave's sitting there. He didn't mention anything to him. Nobody, nothing was talked between the two of them, but it's this beautiful moment of the Dave knows it's fake plants it here for someone else to find. Usually fake idols are handed over, but when you plant it like this, it feels so much more authentic. Yeah. And you know, the person's going to sell out on it. Yeah. Which I think then you can, in this case, because he was there with her, he can use that any way that he wants to use any way that he wants her to use that idol. I think oh, yeah. Make that I, I think he's like, he, it's going to help his gameplay the way that he played it out. But I just feel like in the final tribal council, if I'm on the jury, I'm not going to be voting for the one in leopard print panties. Like I just, <laughs> I just don't like him. I don't like him. I feel like he kind of targeted her and I would have liked to see him do something a little bit. I don't know. I, I just also think he needs to wear shorts. Wow. Yeah. Is he one of the duds? I want to know who are the duds at the top. That's what top I was of the show. Thinking. You said who are the yeah. duds, and I, oh, I did okay. not think well, he would be one of your duds. So I would say Jamie is not a dud because she sees opportunities in front of her and she's getting the most out of her survivor experience. 
A dud is someone who volunteers to sit out three times in a row. Whoa, for whoa, a whoa. Let's, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. She, like the host is like, are you sure you're sitting out again? And she's just completely oblivious to the fact. And when she keeps saying, oh, it's for the best of the tribe. What are you talking about? You were here to play Survivor and win a million dollars. That is not like building a resume to someone who deserves a million dollars. Not even your CF fan favorite. Like you get nothing for that. Bye. Here's your ticket home. Goodbye. I love it. Dud. We're going to come back on that because I know we've okay. all got thoughts on that and who you may or may not be talking about there. Uh, is that it? Is she your only dud then? <laughs> She's the biggest dud. Okay. Yeah. Because at the top, you made it sound like you had a lot of duds on this cast. And I was like, I can only think of one, maybe two. Um, And one of those two, you said, certainly isn't. Josh, I I think Josh is my other dud. Josh, to me, is like the Heather of this season. Where it's like, oh, we get to hear his voice this week. Those are heavy words. But actually, yeah, you know what? I take it back. I liked Heather a lot better than I liked Josh. (laughs) Because like Heather, she she put up a big fight in that fire challenge. And I think she got like a really horrible three episodes in. We didn't even see Heather. We didn't even know that Heather was part of this cast until like the merge in in 41. So Josh is doing okay. The fact that his name is even being spoken, he's doing okay. Speaking of Josh and his tribe, let's go over to Soka and, and, and entertain that a little bit. Yeah, so we that's the last tribe that we see kind of at the beginning of the show, uh, Soka, the green tribe. And we know that uh, Matt and Franny are super tight. They talk about doing a road trip in the future, Hmm. which is super cute. But also, I'm worried for my guy. Uh, Then because everybody else on the tribe starts talking about them behind their backs, right? They're, They're super tight. Obviously, couples in the past and Survivor have been targeted. We've talked about this a little bit before that it's it could be a liability to them. And then we see, yeah, Danny's talking about how he loves it because number one, it takes the focus off of him. But then number two, it puts the focus right on those two. And it's also like kind of, it's super cute too, right? So he's happy for them, but he's also happy for himself. Um, and then we see those four lock in, which I thought was interesting. I kept tabs on that through the, the episode because Danny, Claire, Josh, and Heidi all kind of do a fist bump and they're like, yeah, well, we're we're gonna all vote together, the four of us. Then we get into <laughs> some crazy idol stuff. Like with Danny, and we know that he found the idol in the birdcage. He likes to eat paper and he sets up uh he goes well, this through is good. This... Wait, okay, hang on that. Would you rather eat a worm or eat a eat a piece of parchment? See, I don't think he ate the paper i think he did it and then he spit it out but i don't they didn't show us they didn't show his empty mouth they showed jamie lynn's empty mouth wasn't i don't think he ate it (laughs) i would choke on that anyway so he so he he goes through we talked about this uh episode one alex we said that this was a a potential gameplay that you could have used if you found the idol and the and the fake one right and we said you could do this i think we talked about either throwing the key in the ocean so that nobody would find it mm-hmm. or setting it up so that somebody actually finds the fake idol. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you feel about this? Uh, how does, how does Danny come across as a player to you now? I love it. He absolutely perfect move, like 10 out of 10, no notes. He, uh, it gets a little interesting when he goes in and then blows up the fact that Matt has the fake idol 
in front of somebody else is like, that's interesting. But then, oh yeah, it just draws attention away from him completely rather than keeping any of it secret. Um, so I think this is a 10 out of 10 move on Danny to set that up, give it to very poor old Matt. My goodness, the of the season. Um, He's I love it. That's crashing to the ground. He is crashing He's not hard. John, how did you feel about Danny's move here? Yeah, I would give it a 12 out of 10 because I'm mm-hmm. going to give him bonus points for style and class. Like I like that he <laughs> hid, he hid the key and then like gave everyone the opportunity to find it. But he was very calculated in how the whole thing would go down. So he was fully in control of how this would turn around and then at the end like he's got a good story to tell like i'm totally in his camp i'm cheering Mm -hmm. him on to victory because that was it was just it was good he's not burning bridges you know like matt could still give him the final vote in the end where jamie when she finds out that she was duped and like by leopard panties like that's i i like we had a plant bond. I'm the plant mom. You're the plant yeah. dad. And you betrayed me. I can't get like, that's a risky move where the way that Danny's playing it and he's like doing rolls and the dirt and just, I just, I loved it. And then the way that he very intelligently, I thought kind of called Matt out in front of Josh to create chaos, but in a way that was like, oops, like, Oh, I did. I did I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. I thought we were good. The three of us, like, he he just played it perfectly. It was mm-hmm. really good. This is really interesting the way you're thinking about them moving further in the game because you've got yeah. this. Matt might not see this as dastardly as Jamie would see Matthew's move against her. Mm-hmm. And the difference between the two, those two fake idols, Danny played the way that production wants him to play. Production set this up, basically wrote out the instructions like this, I think do it this way and he did it and he's now set it Mm -hmm. up this way if matt plays his idol and looks like a fool um it's production's fault danny just played it that's it Mm -hmm. like it's almost like danny could play i don't know that's what the game said to do like that's it was there for me they gave me the thing whereas matthews you're right is more like hmm like long sort of goatee twirly mustache. How can I get somebody in this game? Somebody specifically, yeah. I'll go make my own out of my own stuff. There's a bit more of vin, uh, a vindictive nature to that. Like Alex that you see ish. Like it's when I see Alex somebody Street. twirling a mustache, that kind of way in my head, it's your face. That's, that's the <laughs> face I see, Alex. I wish I could grow that mustache, but I this is the thing. Can. You this can, is what I, you, you can try. Okay. I could try. You're right. I will not. Um, But this is what actually pisses me off a little bit about the fake idol, because we've got production digging their hands into a game in a way that is entertaining. But I'm wondering how it's messing with the nature of the game, because we see in the same episode, players are going to do this anyways. They're going to create fake idols. We know that this is part of the game. And production was like, here have one and let there be right. no doubt that this looks like a real idol because right. you've got the note with you as well. You can do whatever you want with it. Um, well, and that's the thing. Yeah. I don't know if we touched on this, but all of the fake idols were replicas of real idols, right? right. Yeah. So yeah. that's another part of it too, where they could be passed off literally for real idols because they, they have a twin 
that's a real yeah. idol. All these fake idols have real idol twins. It's, it's, that's a so lot. We of... sit here thinking, how is this all going to play out? It's a really interesting plot that is building and that we as the viewers are going like, whoa, that's attention. Whoa, that's going to be neat. How is this going to play off in episode 10 of the season? We are engaged, but I wonder for the, like, what is it doing for the actual gameplay of Survivor? And I honestly, I don't know if where I care and how I care about this yet, but there's, there's a difference there that's really interesting for me to think about. Right. And. Well, I think it's up. a good, like, this is a better move for production to move in this way than it was with the hourglass. Like, I think oh, the yeah. hourglass caused controversy because it like flipped a decision right. that was like, or like an achievement, uh -huh. you know, it like right. took away an achievement where this is just like letting some chaos loose in camp. You know, it's just yeah. like, we're going to like, let some chaos loose and see how they respond to it. Yeah. And so much of this game is how are you going to respond to chaos and blindsides and curveballs? So I feel like in the end, it's going to, it's going to make for great TV, right? Cause it's like, there's highs and lows. Like everyone's on an emotional roller coaster. Like mm -hmm. I, I loved, if you were to like chart out the emotions of what was going on with like down the, like found idol and fake idol and then planted it. And then someone finds fake idol thinks it's real. Like it just is so fun to map that out. It's good. I, yeah. I, I'm for it. Yeah. I wrote down like we're episode three and I wrote down all of the advantages and idols and fake idols and blah, blah, blah. So we have Sarah with the inheritance advantage. We have Lauren with a bank of vote. We have Matt with no vote and a fake idol. Cause he still has one more vote right. a, a no vote. Mm -hmm. Matthew. Carolyn and Danny all have real idols and uh, Jamie Lynn has a fake idol as well. Carolyn also owns a fake idol and we have That's not right. seen she her use it yet. Mm -hmm. So there's a ton of stuff out there. And what I was surprised by, and this is jumping ahead, but if you watch the scenes for next episode, there's a point where Jeff says this could change the game and there's a boat coming another boat. Yeah. And I, do you feel like it's, You've, you've kind of touched on this already, so maybe I know your answer on this, but do you feel like it's too much? Yeah, I don't I don't know, because as John said, the nature of the game is putting people in a situation, seeing how they respond to the changing dynamics. So feel free, play with the dynamics. Jeff always says, you know, we're just trying things out. We're just testing the game. We want it to be new and different. Like you would see any TV show change something up from season to season. We're just trying something. And so in that spirit, I love it try but where it removes from the gameplay i'm not sure and and it i i still i've lost trust this is it i lost trust in the production from last season when i felt like i got duped by gabler's win oh oh let's not i lost trust when we saw all of the armor <laughs> and dragon stuff That's when I... so there was there was the hourglass made us go what are they doing and then you had those fire boxes and we go like what is this it's a game of chance now right and then a whole season ends up with like what nobody saw that coming and so now that's the only thing i see stuff like this and i go ah like are i don't know can i trust you again so I'm loving the game. There's obviously tons of discussion. This is what I love about it. I'm not running away from it. But it could, so be, I have a thought could here. be too much. Survivor often reflects, like kind of 
what's going on socially in the real world, right? Like they try and capture the different types of people and conflicts that we might be experiencing in society. Then they throw all these people together in an island. And then we see some of that stuff play out. We've seen a lot of it with like LGBTQT issues, with racial issues and all the conflict and, and the pain and the, like that's been something that's been a center piece of the narrative over the last few seasons. And I think I'm just going to throw this out there. I'm talking and thinking at the same time, but and waving your when hands. you and waving my hands, but the people listening don't know I'm waving my hands. They do, but now. I am waving my hands. So now I lost my train of thought. But sorry, with production putting all these extra little bits of chaos in and like advantages and fake advantages. I wonder if it's almost like an experiment, like a social experiment in terms of, well, what happens when we try to play God in society? And when there are these natural like power struggles that different human groups have that have, they've always had these where one group is in power of another group and then they flip it over. They try to find peace and equality, but then one isn't equal. And there's just this constant fight for power and everyone's trying to survive. I wonder if this is kind of like, well, what happens when we try and and encourage balance or we try and meddle with it? Like what happens, you know, are the oppressors still like the alpha mm -hmm. strong beast challenge beasts still going to get through or are the strategic like it's just fascinating. I think this could be interesting to see how the season plays out and sees it, see if it actually makes a difference in terms of who wins. Because when you think about, if you look at who's been going out, and we talked about this before um, we we started this podcast, but there, there's a lot of females that typically go out early in the game. And we're seeing that happen right here. And mm -hmm. so like, is this like a male dominated kind of alpha male sport where they're just targeting these women? And I don't know, could these advantages help? That is yeah, fascinating. Yeah, and to tack, to tack on to that, I wonder if, and this is kind of a joke, but not really. I wonder if the evolution of that, like as players, do males feel really safe at the beginning of the game and then take stupid risks? Like, does yeah. that have some kind of impact on the way that males will play at the beginning of the game? I'm curious. And it, like, it seems like Survivor always is a pendulum back and forth um certain uh tendencies i think in the game and how people play it's it does always kind of write itself and i just yeah that's an that's a crazy take i i think i'm gonna have to sleep on it and think about it more but um yeah that's really deep like i i'm very curious <laughs> about that no that's interesting yes. i like that a lot john i think that's that's really uh wise it's a great sort of 30,000 foot view take on how this looks. I, I think that the probably they are most of the way there and yet there's still kinks to work out to make it a, a true reflection gameplay and sort of tribe dynamic of what that would look like in actual society. Because that is, as it is, you know, you put people in, yes, women are voted off early at this point. Why? Because it's set up that way. You have these small tribes um, I saw an interview today. Claire is like, when there's no, we don't think a swap is coming. The main thing is, am I strong enough to push a giant 
uh, crate up from the beach. That's what our tribe is depending on. So who goes out first? The seemingly smaller, weaker players. And so as long as the game is still structured like that, uh, tribes will respond in that way. And it's an easier vote to get people like that out. Mm -hmm. And um, I would can, say like... Can, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say like, I think Claire isn't just being targeted because she's like physically weak. She, you can, she's strategically weak. Like she did not make the connection between sitting out three times in a row and thinking about how that communicates her value to a tribe. And like Josh, I think is also a big dud. Like, what are you bringing besides like some muscle? You know, yeah. like, come on, Josh, step it up. Like, I want to see more from you. I just want to like peek through the bushes and yell at him and be like, come on, do something. Like, you're on TV. Like, make this interesting. You're boring. You're boring. Right. And this is great, uh, a great way to transition. This is going to happen later. This question comes up later, actually in tribal. But I feel like we're in this zone right now where we're already talking about this. So let's just get into this. I was going to ask you guys, um, if you know, this is a little trivia question for you. Mm -hmm. Do you know the first ever player who was voted out of Survivor? Any oh. any guesses at home? No. Wait, what's is that? She, was she... Was she bald? Was it the bald she black bald? girl? It, it was. was... Can you no, hear me clickety clacking? It was an older. It was an older white woman. Her name. Uh, her name was Sonia, and she was voted out because she was weak, determined to be weak, and she stumbled during that immunity challenge. Uh, now, so first ever player voted out was female and first ever reason for voting out was because she was physically unable to unable to compete and compete at a high enough level to keep your tribe winning so that brings us to this question what actually is tribe strength if you're voting to keep your tribe strong are you voting to keep physical strength or loyalty strength i guess you could say or like what is it is there some other because it seems to me that like i said with survivor survivor being a pendulum it seems to me that a lot of for whatever reason a lot of strategic players or people who are deemed strategic are being taken out a lot earlier but there is still this talk about physical strength and it's still a part of survivor mm -hmm. what do you guys think what is tribe strength in this part of survivor in the early part before the merge the tribes are so small it has to be relational but that's it i like the if we don't get along what are we doing here so right so i guess because you're saying you have two two chances to win pretty much like you've got you're competing against two other tribes yeah. and you've got also i have weak noodly arms so i i don't want like tribe strength i don't want physical no, strength don't. to be the, the i've seen you and i've seen you <laughs> I've seen boy. you naked. <laughs> you were about to I've say. seen your arms. <laughs> I have seen your arms. What do you think, John? I've seen you with a bunch of wooden blocks. Go ahead, John. What do you think? What is tribe oh, strength? Dear. Um, so I think it it depends on the player. So if you are like a physically fit, like a Brandon, an NFL player, then you really, really need to keep the physical people around 
because it brings a target off of you. So I think you're kind of, it's like there's all these different levels that you're trying to control. You're trying to keep your risk level really low by keeping people who are like you around so that people don't notice you. But then it's also who are the people that you, um, like they have to kind of tick a few boxes. You also have to be able to trust them a little bit. So if you have someone who's like super, super strong and you don't trust them at all, then you go for them whenever you can go for them. You can go for them on the first vote. But if you're at this point and you don't really have a whole lot of reason to be afraid of someone, then it kind of comes down to, well, the physicality. You know what I mean? Like you can't just say it's it's all strength or it's all trust. You have to look at all of it and you also have to hold it through the lens of like, what is your biggest threat? Are people perceiving you to be a super physical mm. player or are they perceiving you to be a super strategic player or a super social player? Okay, so you're saying that it's just depends. It depends on who you are. Based on, yeah. Well, for a smart so tri- player, like for a tribe strength. smart player. Okay, yeah. so tribe strength can be still defined differently all depending on who you are, who your tribe is, but it's it's a moving target. That's the thing that's tough, right? We saw Lindsay, uh, I think it was last season, Lindsay got really paranoid and she became the, tar- the target really quick. She got, she got voted out pretty early. Mm-hmm. And then you've got people talking about someone like Jonathan, who's like a, like a physical specimen. And he is tar- a target, but then you've got uh, someone who like um franny today said uh you can fix uh like you can fix like claire not being good at challenges but you can't yeah. fix josh being shifty like everyone kind of has their own view on it but what i'm asking you guys what do you prioritize if you are going in what do you prioritize for tribe strength who are you voting out are you voting out someone who's disloyal someone who's paranoid someone who's physically strong what do you think what would you target first to, to get out of the game? What do you want out of the game? On this episode, I want the people out who don't want to be here or show yeah. like they don't want to be here. You're not going to play, get out. You can't, Yeah. if you're, if you're not going to outplay, then you're certainly not going to outlast. And so there's, that's the, that's the take for me on this one. But in general, I want people out who... I want people out who I don't feel like uh, I'm who I can get a read on. Right. If, if I don't feel like I know them or I'm close to them, then I, I can't trust you. I don't care what size you are, how strong you are physically. If I, yeah, if I don't feel like I, I have a bond with you, then I want you out. I'm on that Franny take there for sure. I'd rather in that sense, if Claire played, I'd rather have Claire than if Josh is a threat, Josh. a physical threat. But yeah, I would agree. I, I think like when you're, cause the way that you're describing Claire as a weak player, it's because she's, oh, I just ate a fruit fly. That was weird. Mm, good protein. How much protein? protein yeah, yeah, it's like 80% protein. 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 Um, <laughs> but so Claire is coming to the table and saying like, I've got nothing to offer, you know? And so yeah. when you're talking about tribe strength, well, we don't even know what you have to offer. And that's completely different from Carson who's like downplaying his strength, even though he's like an aerospace engineer, astronaut, Mm -hmm. super genius, but he's, he's not being showy about it, but he's like, 
He's not putting it out on display as a target. She's not really saying that she's good at anything when it comes to the challenges. So she's not contributing, you know, so that's like weak. But I, I think if you've got like two Jonathans on a tribe, it comes down to, okay, well, they're both pretty physical. These other pieces, the social and strategy are really important for strength as well, because not all of the challenges are going to be purely physical. Like the puzzles, the puzzles are really what wins it for a tribe, mm-hmm. right? So you need to Well, this to is what's interesting about Matthew as a player, leopard print panties, as you call him. He is physical, <laughs> even though his shoulders busted up. He is strong. He's played yeah. the strength role. He's clearly playing the strategy role. And then mm-hmm. he has been at the finish line for the last two puzzle parts and he's there working that aspect of it like he's somebody that if i'm on his tribe i'm looking at strength and seeing he's got it all that's that's a worry to me i either want to be with him or get him out yeah um whereas somebody like brandon you're like ah you can fish great you're strong and it's like uh what's his face from a couple seasons ago who carried 40 pounds of clams into tribal thinking that was going to get him places (laughs) like right ryan yeah, yeah, that's not yeah. it, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I think Matt one aspect. And, and Brandon both bring like strength to a tribe, mm-hmm. right? But it you also have to curb the strength with risk, like the threat piece. So you want tribe strength, but you want to lower the risk for your personal game. Maybe that's yeah. what I was trying to say and did a really poor job of at the beginning. That's good. No, you you got it. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, this is this is great because it makes you think about your own game. If you were to play Survivor, makes you think about your own potential and your own skills. And that's the beauty of Survivor 2 is that it all depends on the other people. It it just depends on the other tribes. It depends on the other people in your tribe. There's a lot to uh, consider and that makes the game fun. It makes it different every season. Yeah. Um I yeah. do know this There's, that Going into a challenge, I am never ever thinking that I'm going to sit on that bench. Okay, that's a great point. Same with me. And I think if you want to sit out one, that's cool. Like, uh, yeah, and we talked about this, Alex. Like, we're we're super competitive. I know John, you are too. So, I don't. I have no idea how she could ever see that as being. I don't know. Good for the tribe. So the situation, right? We go into to challenge, and they get a chance to discuss what's going on. And we're all sitting there watching them decide who they have to sit out two people and all of us, right? We're sitting there thinking there's no way she does this again. And what happens? She turns around and says, kind of sheepishly guess it's me again. And Jeff is like, wait, really? Yeah. Is this, is this a you decision? You, and he says, you made it sound like it was a you decision. Not, a tribe decision. And she's like, actually, I mean, it's, it's kind of, you know, we sit here and we just, we talk it through, but I trust these people. I know that I might be a liability. So I trust these people to win, which if that's the first time sitting out, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good explanation. I hear actually you're, you're lifting this up. You're like, I'm going to take the, I get somebody's got to say, I'll do it. And I trust them to win for me. But at this point, third one in, fight for yourself. And this is what John was saying earlier. Fight for it. Well, and like, 
I get it if you're if you if you have like confidence issues and you don't you don't want to put yourself in a place where you're going to let the tribe down and then be that idiot who is like hanging off a wooden log or smashing your head open or whatever and hurting the tribe but you also have to think about like you're trying to win a million dollars here yeah. and you're trying to keep yourself in the game so you're not putting anything of value out to your tribe in these particular challenges and you just can't afford to do that in this game you can't continue to show up and stuck in in one area she might be awesome at camp life awesome at social stuff like making people feel nice keeping the fire alive but you just can't stuck at all of the challenges yeah i think um in the early days especially you really don't want to attract any negative attention but you definitely want to limit it if you can and if she's any kind of survivor fan she would know sitting out three challenges in a row it just it can be something that sets you apart and something that you could be a target for i do want to i do want to fan just just uh or celebrate her game a little bit and and think maybe like maybe there was strategy in this so she sits out the first time and you see oh she has gameplay here that was it that was a one point point for her where i saw that she was playing the game when it was her and matthew both sitting out and she had a conversation with matthew about um the fake idol or whatever the 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 journey people that went so she actually intentionally started a conversation there you're like okay maybe she's got something i don't think so nope i don't think so (laughs) you don't think that was a game well just you know like i mean no i sorry i don't i don't think she was very like strategic but you can yeah keep going i i want to i want to hear the rest of this so then you go and then last episode we see that she's the laziness czar of her camp and whatever she sits out (laughs) again and you could think okay like again this could be a strategy to intentionally lay low i do not want to stand out but by not standing out she is standing out right there's this element of you can't sit out two challenges in a row i actually don't know how that's survivor rules i don't know when they made that allowed that you can sit out two challenges in a row right i thought it was two oh it's always been you can't sit out two in a row okay 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 you can't sit out two people in back-to-back challenges is the jeff phrase so i don't know when that became available so i actually don't know when i've ever seen someone sit out two in a row she's a pioneer she is just breaking (laughs) the rules (laughs) i would be curious to look back to see that but i think that's where it was more head-to-head where you had two people going head-to-head in challenges like wrestling or whatever like kind of fighting each other for stuff this t- it's more team based and you don't really have a lot of interactions with other teams now so i wonder if that's kind of when it started to be phased out that rule but sure yeah it's a good point so but let so, me go- so maybe she's being strategic about this and then saying i'm gonna sit out because i don't want to be the, the again the the squeaky wheel or whatever and yet by doing that again you've screwed your own game and it looks pathetic and it's uh, i'm you're you're a dud <laughs> yeah not to keep bashing claire to be honest i think that I got the vibe off of her that she was really cocky and she (laughs) seemed to put other people down a lot. Like she told, she said that she thought Danny was dumb and she like was throwing Matt and Franny under the bus and saying they're dumb for, can they not see this, that it's a liability? Like she consistently, whether it was to us or to her other tribe mates, she seemed to be a little bit condescending. And seemed to like think she was 
super smart and could read everybody. She even said that I think in her pre-interview before the season that she was just so confident in her ability to read people, but it didn't seem like she could do that at all. Frankly, let's move on to the challenge. Are you guys okay with that? Like, can we, I, we can whip through it. It's, it was kind of a meh challenge and thing, but I don't know if there's anything, if there's something worth talking about in there, then let's talk about it. But yeah, I mean, like just big cubes, big, heavy cubes. The thing that I thought was really interesting was that um, just Kane's relationship to this sword. First of all, uh, he some I think he bent the sword or something. Uh, Jeff couldn't really get it back on the shield, but the thing I was curious about um, was the toolkit. Uh, I like, I haven't watched, I watched a lot of early survivor and more recent survivor, but the toolkit at this point in the game, are you going to build a better shelter? Like, what's the point of that toolkit? Like, what's the, what's the draw there? Like, there's, there's like a saw meant for cutting lumber, like a handsaw, and there's some nails and hammers and stuff, but I didn't understand well, I think- that the appeal might be different for different players. Like Kane might be excited to whittle some medieval furniture and costumes for, for his costumes out of wood in, in between his challenges for his like LARPing festivals. (laughs) (laughs) Could be. I just, I just thought that was odd, but yeah, we talked about, I actually didn't even notice. I didn't notice either. It just felt like, Oh, good reward. I was, and the fruit was pretty flashy. So maybe that was it. Yeah. that looked good but the fruit did look really good because they already got fishing gear last last challenge was fishing gear yeah so now yeah you're like what are we doing are we yeah we're making a more comfortable home i guess we need wendell here to make some furniture for us yeah that's it i thought it was interesting that matthew was competing still pretty hard and he was swinging at that key with his shoulder all of a sudden his shoulder seemed fine and then again halfway through the challenge this seems to be his thing he I know I'm the same way too. Like you get injured. You feel like you're like Alex said last time, a pylon. And so you want to get back into it. I get that. But he was sometime, maybe it was the adrenaline, whatever it was just going too hard and re-injures himself digging through the sand. So I wonder if that's going to be a character trait for him. That'll play uh, in like strategy and stuff like that later down the road. But I wrote down in my notes for the challenge, like four words leopard panty shoulder exclamation mark and then in all caps danny like danny was (laughs) awesome in this challenge and i just feel like man he just killed it and i am a big fan super physical just did a really good job i loved Loved the rubik's cube part of it like i thought when jeff said this is one you could you think you could solve at home i was like yeah i think i could like Mm -hmm. that would be really fun that would Uh, be fun but I was going to ask you guys, like Alex, you mentioned this the last time in, in episode one, where Tika didn't destroy their puzzle. Would you have destroyed mm. that puzzle so that they couldn't copy it? Now, you're already I, done the challenge. That's the end of the challenge for you. I don't, would you destroy it? I was shocked when they went over to look. That one, not as obvious to me to destroy that um, because right. like all the blocks are different. I don't think there's one way to solve that that puzzle. Maybe I'm wrong, but... ooh. Um, that's why I think it, it seemed weird for them to go over and look, except maybe to just get a grasp on what are the bottom two blocks. Right. But even then they didn't tip it over to see what's on the top and bottom of those blocks. So, um, that one doesn't seem as interesting or as, as, uh, 
necessary to me to tip over as ones that are like a word puzzle or something or like the cubes sort of stacking on where there's a specific way that they need to go. Um, yeah, I was sitting there like my, my brows were furrowed as they were running over and wasting time looking at the other towers, yeah. but apparently it helped. I don't know. Like if you look at a completed Rubik's cube, that doesn't help you when you're halfway through a Rubik's cube. You know it's supposed to look like this. I've never solved one. I've never solved a Rubik's cube. I don't I don't know how people do it. Have you done it? I learned in the summer. I learned how to do it. John, have you ever done it? Have you ever solved no. a Rubik's cube? Yeah. No. See. Not my thing. Two minutes and 30 like seconds like, was my I record. like a good slide puzzle. Two like minutes and three. What? You can do a Rubik's cube in two minutes and 36 seconds. Not now, but, but are in you the doing summer, the kid like, one? Are you doing the kid one with four? It's just or a line. Or are you doing like an yeah. adult real one? No, it's three by three. Oh, wow. three by yeah. three by three. Like the regular one. It's three by three. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's it's just That's an algorithm. Impressive. It's it's uh, like I say, like I have a math brain, but you you just learn the steps. Like I just all that I, I'm not learning. I don't see what's going on. I just look at where it is, and then you adjust wow. it to to figure out if I want this one over there. I do this, this, and this, this. But if it messes up along the way, I'm toast. I have to go back to the beginning. I can't figure it out right. midway through. And again, it's this idea of. I don't know. You you try to figure it out. Like there's people who actually do practice these puzzles at home, right? And do have this, but you show up on the island, you still have to solve it in the moment with other people yeah. on board. There's no set way to do it. Yeah. Wow. Just learned something new about you. <laughs> and again, I'm trying to deflect. It's impressive. <laughs> Bring it back to hey, survival. Did you guys did you guys notice who did the puzzle for Soka? Because I was pretty sure it was Matt and Franny. Yeah, and they failed. And yeah. I just feel like in their narrative, the showman's narrative, like this huge failure is like a great foreshadow to their mm -hmm. huge crescendo of like, just, it's not going to work out, guys. This this love thing, it's just, it's not going to work out. It's the not even going to take off. Solve. It's like a plane that's about to take off. Mm -hmm. And then it's just going to go and just like explode on the runway i did see matt uh comments about our, our episode one where we talked about their showman so matt if you're listening right now john just said good luck buddy it's not gonna last so we see that tika and rotu win immunity and kane lives his fantasy of being <laughs> knighted by jeff probst i thought that was really cute and uh, and and really nerdy and Super awesome. I was like, yeah, man, if you want to get knighted by Jeff Probst, now is the time. Yeah. It's a good thing that they have the sword there to be able to make something like that happen and create that full circle hero moment for a character like this. Yeah. If only there yeah. was a real story. So Soka loses. Soka goes to tribal. And we have a really interesting tribal shape up, right? Because we've got, like I said before, Matt, no vote, fake idol. Danny and idol. Claire sat three out. Matt and Franny, a couple threat, and remember the four-person alliance. Those four people who bumped fists and said, "Let's vote together." So that I thought that was really interesting. We had all these dynamics going into it. Like they're all upset when they get back to camp. Franny's crying, uh, and then they kind of give her space. She comes back, and they start talking about Claire. They said, "Claire, you know, we go and get dirty. We get super tired, and we give our all on the challenge." And Claire walks back clean from every challenge. And I think that would rub me the right, wrong way 
as well. So I, it makes total sense that they brought it up. And we said that was stupid by Claire. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, did you see Josh being a potential other name? Like, was that someone that you you definitely saw as being a potential vote out for them? It seemed like everybody wanted Josh, except yeah. for Danny. Yeah. Yeah, I, so, I was curious by that. I didn't see, I didn't know why they chose him. Did he seem shifty? I didn't think so. What John seems to think that he should have gone. Well, I just, I feel like, but, but this is also like the edit that he's getting. I think from, so I'm watching this from the outside. I wonder if to the people in the tribe, he appears to be one of these like big physical threats who's like playing it down, but is like potentially super heavy and strategic. Like he's a surgical podiatrist, right? Like, I don't really know what that entails, but it sounds pretty fancy. So he's probably pretty smart. Yeah. The feet surgery? Yeah. 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 There's a ton. Yeah. But so I'm wondering if he's like, I don't know. My opinion is he's probably just like a slow processor. But like people who are quiet always just appear to be way more wise than I am. You know, we haven't like, seen any of I him, look like though. an idiot because my mouth's always going. I know, but that's what I'm saying is like, we haven't seen a lot of him, but he appears to be quiet. Like he's, they just show him kind of being there and thinking and moving pieces well, so of wood then, from one place to another. Like, And what was his, like in the whole discussion around who they're going to vote out, they go to him. He's like, I, I will actually go wherever, like use me as a vote. It's good. Like I'm, and it didn't seem like a, I don't want any responsibility. It was just like, I recognize that yeah. my role and I don't have a, or no, he did say, I, I kind of want someone out. I think it was, I think he said Claire, but I'm like, but I'll go anywhere. Yep. And so that to me says, yeah. yeah, that's the quiet sort of, let's just see how this plays out. Yeah. Um, I thought it was interesting because, wise. so Danny, if Danny planned it to bring Matt to, to find the fake idol, if he ended up planning that, because uh, it seemed like he was sort of thinking about who would I bring around to find this idol? It kind of backfired on him. Yes, it it took the. There's no, like no no one's talking about Danny, right? No, he's not the focus of anyone's attention. But now Matt and Franny are kind of taken off the list, right? Because they are seen as having, like a little bit of a an advantage. They're they're a little bit of a tougher potential to vote mm-hmm. out. So it almost backfired. I thought it didn't work out quite as Danny intended it to. I don't know. Danny, I think is like thinking a big picture. Like this is a, it's more than just one vote. This is the first vote of their tribe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And he wanted Claire out, didn't he? Danny wanted Claire. Like everybody wanted Josh, except for Danny who said, didn't he toss Claire's name out first? Yeah, he did. You're right. And then Claire goes Mm -hmm. and you're like that again, like this is Danny's episode. Cause you look at that, that's, that's changing a vote. You change, you just changed a whole tribe be a unanimous vote yeah uh, i think it was probably like a pretty easy vote for their tribe and then they just threw the josh thing in so that we didn't feel like it was so clearly clear even yeah. though come on like right. it had to be clear and that's the thing i think once yeah. we got to tribal i was like nah, okay we see where this is going it, it seems pretty clear um can we talk about jeff saying that the gargoyle was <laughs> tribal <laughs> that did, he lost himself in that soon as he said it there you were could two, tell he's like i oh, oh i wish i had that moment back there were two <laughs> moments 
and I give like a positive to set design and a negative. Negative was the gargoyle comment, but positive when Franny goes up to vote and she's like, oh, she looks around the voting booth and is like astounded. She's like, where do I go? What do I? With all these chess pieces, she's just like so excited. <laughs> Again, like it's just it's full of cute nerds. I love it. Okay, point on the chess thing. So I was, uh, shoot, I think it was Adam, um, Survivor Adam Klein, uh, maybe tweeted that he has a friend, or maybe it was Fishback. Uh, he has a friend who's looking at, who is a, a chess expert who is examining the board so far Ooh. in every episode and watching what's happening. Apparently, does it change? There's moves happening. It's changing. Yeah, and they're they're seeing really? that there's it's a it's set up in a way that they're like chess nerds are seeing it and loving it okay. and can describe what's either mm. wh whether, I don't know if it's progressing as the game goes or each time they're just setting up a different scenario that you could be like, Oh, that's a blitzkrieg. I see that you could win in four. Like if that's mm. a thing. Do you but think that now... there might be like an advantage or something under one of the chess pieces? Like, I don't could think there, there would be that in something. Voting. Booth, I would bet definitely worth taking one anyways like that like well, do you would you not try to take a pawn and just or are they all do you, pens do you think they're all markers no they're so good there's just that one big <laughs> marker colors. but do you remember that I don't know what season of Survivor <laughs> it was but when he he tried to claim that was Adam actually that was Adam Klein yeah I tried to claim the, the 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 fleur de what's that called the the little the fleur de lis yeah thank you nice yeah. Accent. hilarious so funny Oh, so good. See, <laughs> now I'm thinking, well, this is just my stupid brain, but I'm thinking like, what piece do they use to write? Do they use a pawn to write the name? I just think that would be interesting. Or is it like a a king or a queen that they're using? I don't know. Uh, but I hate, but hey, it's there <laughs> and it's, it's amazing. I love Fran Franny's reaction was, I think, was my reaction as she walks in to the whole set and she just looks up and and Jeff's saying the line and she's just gaga over like, I can't believe I'm here. It's still cool yeah. that we're in, you know, episode three, but you're still getting first time reactions of showing up to the to the place. And even though somebody's going home, there's still an awe and a wonder about it that I can't believe I'm here. Okay, let's yeah. let's ride with that. So tribal, let's just wrap this up because tribal happens. They talk. They're all uh, kind of, you know, cryptic and whatever. And then uh, Claire really feels like things are coming her way. She looks at Heidi and says, are you still doing it? And Heidi's like, I think so. Which is that that's the poison. <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's over. You're done. It's you. Um, and so Claire picks that up and she goes and plays the only chance she has a shot in the dark. It fails unanimous vote four on O and she is out of here. Um, and I think it's just, let that be a lesson to you kids. Yeah. Don't including Franny. Franny voted for Claire. Out, right. Yeah. She was the one who was saying, I don't want to. Yeah. And yet she did. So yeah. She Claire ends up like... being the third woman voted out again. <laughs> just another woman. We've got Too Maddie, bad. Helen, Claire all voted out. So I guess we'll see next episode. Yeah, this is just good so good. There are lots of conversations to have, lots more things to talk about. What is the deal with women getting voted out? What are the twists and turns going to come up? And where is the sword going to go next? Cane sword, yeah. <laughs> uh, John, actually, to our listeners, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate having 
you stick with us all the way to the end of this. And John has been our definitely our best guest so far for me and Alex <laughs> hosting. Mm-hmm. He's also been the worst, but we'll see, I guess, who's next. And uh, we're excited to bring another episode of Survivor to you, but that's for next time. Yeah, I'll well just done. I'll just sit out the next one, guys. I'll just I'll sit out for for a few few more, just for the best oh, of the tribe. Yeah. Okay. Are you sure? Yeah, I guess. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Survivor at Home podcast. If you are interested in joining the Survivor at Home community, then find us at SurvivorAtHome.com or on Twitter at Survivor at Home and on Instagram. If you are enjoying the Survivor at Home podcast, then go please leave a rating and a review and take part in the polls and the Q&A section on Spotify. We'll see you next time.